Welcome to the High Prices Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's lead pastor, Chris Sestar. Get your Bibles open to the book of 1 Kings, chapter 19. And I knew last week, like I did the week before, what I was going to preach today. And I prayed and I said, I'm not going to let some stinking head cold keep me from delivering the word of the Lord. Because I'm convinced before this service is over, there are some people that are going to get delivered and get some victory in this house. Maybe, maybe you had a hard time singing, praising, but God's going to do a work in you today. You just hang on. I said, just hang on. We'll get there. And God is going to do a work in your life. I love this story. It's in 1 Kings chapter 19. It's about Elijah the prophet. I'll preach the chapter, but I'll only, I'll only read 11, 12, 13, three verses. Verse 11. Then God said to Elijah, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains, broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire raged on that mountain, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after all that sensationalism, Elijah heard a still, small voice. And so it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And suddenly a voice came to him and said, Notice the question, what are you doing here, Elijah? And I think that's the question God's asking some of you today. What are you doing where you are right now? I want to talk about get out of that hole in the ground you're in. Get out of that hole in the ground you're in. You can be seated. You've been standing a while. Y'all ever had something happen to you, thank you so much, that knocked the wind out of you? You ever had that happen? I have. Just knocked the wind out of you. I've had it happen to me several times. I, I, I remember when I was having bad back problems and, and uh, I was really struggling, suffering, almost debilitated. But I went to a surgeon. Somebody set it up and they go to surgeon. I'd watched all these commercials where the actor goes in with a consultation and then they do a one-inch incision, and his back's bad, but they just do a one-inch incision, and then he comes out ready to go. And I thought, well, that's what they'll do for me. And I went in, and they looked at my MRI, and they looked at my x-rays, and the man I've never met before looked at me and said, your condition is so serious that if we do surgery on you, it'll be a four- to six-hour surgery, and we're going to put rods and pins and screws, and you'll have six months to recover threw me a curveball I broke out in a sweat I'll never forget it I said doc I didn't I didn't I didn't come in here to hear that he said I'm sorry he said that's how bad you are and it's something when you're up here and then the next minute something knocks the wind out of you everything's going great and something somebody says something somebody does rocks your world, sends you into a tailspin. This happened to the prophet Elijah. He had what I call a bipolar moment. And if you're familiar with 
Bipolarism, you have extremes. You fluctuate between extreme highs and extreme lows. And, and Elijah had had, a, had had this extreme high when he, he confronted the prophets of Baal on the mountain and they built the altar and he defeated them and prayed. He prayed and fire fell from heaven. Wow. And a revival started in Israel. And, and then the Spirit of God came. Well, he went up on a mountain and he prophesied rain and it had rained for three and a half years and it starts raining. And then the Spirit of God came on him and he ran, outran the chariots all the way back to Jezreel because the Spirit of the Lord anointed him. Have you ever seen anybody run in church? That's the Spirit of Elijah that gets on him. Oh, he's on a high. Oh, he's strutting through town. He's feeling the Lord. And then old wicked Queen Jezebel who worshipped Baal and Ashtoreth and who couldn't stand him heard that he had had 400 of her priests killed, these false satanic prophets killed. And she sent him a death threat in the mail and said, I'm going to do to you what you did to my prophets as soon as I can. And he went from a, in a bipolar moment from an extreme high to extreme low and he ran for his life. Let me just tell you today, any child of God can experience a bipolar moment. Every once in a while, I meet these super-duper whooper spiritual people. They just act like they're always on top of the world and walking in victory. Let me tell you something. You read the Bible, and every man of God, woman of God, went through something. So you all super-duper whooper, you better watch it because while you're on your high the devil will catch you in that weak moment and knock the feet out from under you. It can happen to anybody. It can happen to the pastor, the pastor's wife, the deacons, the elders, their wives. It can happen to anybody. And, and the causes sometimes, are, they're varied, but sometimes it's something somebody says or something somebody does to you that's negative. Somebody fails you. Somebody disappoints you. Somebody hurts you. Somebody betrays you, somebody embarrasses you, somebody threatens you, somebody crushes your spirit, drains the passion and the fire out of you. Some of you know what I'm talking about. I'm preaching to you. And the effects are so powerful that you lose what I put in my notes, you lose your bounce back. I think all of us have to some degree the bounce back. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You ever seen that? inflated little deal with the weight in the bottom it's a kid's toy and you can knock it and it'll fall over and then it'll go whoop. and I believe I believe most of us have a little bounce back in us but every once in a while you get knocked to where the air goes out and there's nothing to bounce back from you can't seem to recover and often you make some radical decisions to deal with the trauma you're in that's what Elijah did he ran from Israel, the, the country, which was his ministry context. He ran from it, okay? He left the ministry. He left, he left his department. He left, he left his calling. And, 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 he, and he, so, I mean, that was it. And his prophetic calling, we would say he quit. He dropped out. He gave up. He disappeared. He turned in his notice to God. He didn't even give him a two weeks notice. And I've seen believers follow Elijah's example. Something happens that knocks the wind out of you. And, and so 
You can't bounce back from it. It's, it's, it's devastating. And so you quit the ministry. You stop coming to church. You avoid being around God's people. You pull into a shell. That's what Elijah did. So he ran from some things. He ran from Jezebel. He ran from Israel. He got out of Dodge. He left the nation. He ran from his calling. But then he ran to some things. He ran into the wilderness. Now, I've never been to Israel, never been to that, but I've seen some wilderness. A few years ago, Leah and, and Jaron and I flew out for the Clemson game in Arizona, and we drove through Arizona, a, a good part of it, and there's some wilderness out there, nothing but cacti. That's it. It's wilderness. You get out there far enough, you're all by yourself, and that's exactly what Elijah wanted. He wanted to be all alone. He was in flight mode. He was running away from the threat, the danger, the conflict. He wanted to be by himself, and then he found himself struggling with depression. Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. That's a bad place to be, and if you've never had depression, count yourself blessed. I've never had chronic depression, but I've had touches of depression. I've been through seasons of true blue depression. This is going to rock some of you. I never in my life thought that I would even have the thought of taking my life come into my head. But I went through a season of depression, and for the first time in my life, I had thoughts coming into my mind. I wasn't going to act on them. I'm still here. But the thoughts were in my mind for the first time. I keep a gun near my bed. I dismantled that thing, put it in a case, and stuck it on a high shelf in a closet. Are you hearing the preacher today? I'm big, bad, and tough. I'll never be like that. You, you better watch it. You're the one, the devil's just over there rubbing his hands saying, oh, this one's going to be good. It can happen to anybody. I think he was plagued with guilt for leaving his post. I think he was plagued with guilt for running away. I think, I think he felt like a failure. Anybody ever been there? Oh, I have. I have. In more ways, concerning more things than one, where I have just felt like I've absolutely, absolutely blown it. But what is amazing about this story is we see this mighty man of God, full of the Holy Ghost, used by God, suddenly running for his life, fighting depression, telling God, kill me, kill me, take me out. I'm a failure. And God doesn't kill him. Instead, God sends angels to bring him food and water and minister to him in the desert. What that tells me is nobody else knew where Elijah was. He didn't take his cell phone with him. Couldn't reach him, couldn't find him on a GPS. But God knew exactly where he was. He knew where he was headed. He knew how he felt. And even though he was running away, and even though he was very, listen to me, unspiritual, he wasn't being very spiritual, was he? He didn't feel spiritual. God still ministered to him. And that tells me that God knows where you are. 
If I'm preaching to you today, God knows your pain. He knows your fear. He is aware of your heartache. You may not think he is around, but he is. You may not think he cares, but he does. You may not think he is aware of how you feel, but he is. And he's always been right there. I love the story that G.E. Patterson told of a man and a wife who had been married for many years riding down the road in the car. They were sitting on either side of the car and his wife started saying, you know, when we first dated and got married, we used to sit so close together here in the front seat that when people looked at us, they couldn't tell that there was one person in the car or two. And she said, now all these years later, she said, you're sitting over there and I'm over, I'm over here. And she's trying to make him feel guilty. He said, but baby, wait a minute. He said, the car is still configured the same. I was driving then and I'm driving now and you were here and you were over there. Who moved? And I just want you to know today, God is right where he's always been. He said, I'll never leave you. Is that what he said? I'll never forsake you. Lo, I am with you. No, no, only when you're spiritual. Only when you got it together. Only when everything is in your life you feel like is meeting God's criteria. Along as your long as your standard, you're meeting your standard. Is that what it says? No, it says. Whether you're in the mountain or the valley, whether you're up, you're down, whether you feel spiritual, you feel somebody needs to hear this. God said, I will be with you always. And so if you've moved and you have, he's right where you left him. And just like that woman could have slid across that seat and got right back there close to her husband, you can slide right back to the Lord. The Bible records that Elijah ate that food, drank that water, and went in the strength of that angelic ministry to him for 40 days. Now, we understand, and, 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 and you should know this, nobody can go without food and water for 40 days, okay? Even if you try to pull off food for 40 days, and I've known people who've done it, you cannot go without water for 40 days. You will die. Okay, so how did one meal sustain him? We know the answer, right? It was supernatural. Moses went 40 days and 40 nights without food and water. Moses and Elijah are the two of the people that pulled this off. Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days. So there's three people in the Bible we know that did this, and it was supernatural. In other words, Elijah was a walking miracle. And you know, when I read that and I thought about people who are struggling today, here's what I think. I know you don't feel spiritual. I know you're struggling. But the fact that you're still saved is a testament that God is still with you and helping you. You haven't backslid. You, you, haven't, you haven't turned your back on God, okay? You're still coming to church. You're still trying to pray. You're still trying to read the Bible, you're still trying to trust God. You're still trying to hold on. The, the miracle is you haven't given up. The miracle is you're still holding on. The miracle is you're persistent. You're fighting. I know you don't feel like it right now, but that's the miracle. You haven't deserted your faith. 
See the miracle for what it is. So he goes in the strength of this food and into the wilderness and up on a mountain, and he ends up in a cave. Now, does everybody know what a cave is? Do you have a picture in your mind of a cave? I, I've been in a cave. What do they call that? Is that spelunking? What you call that? I've spelunked. Lee and I went in a cave. I think we're in uh, Bolivia or something like that, somewhere in Central America. And, and she talked me into this. I have claustrophobia. I was born in Kansas. Ain't no walls out there. Ain't no mountains. Ain't no trees. I blame it on my birthplace. You just stand up and you can see forever with no end. And that's how I am. I want it open. My wife signs us up for this expedition. They gave us these little tiny flashlights. There's a whole crowd of us and a man leading us. We go into that cave, and I can see the light in the entrance, that big door. And then they started taking us in, and we're winding, and it's getting narrower. And he wants to stop and talk about things. I looked at Lee. I said, he better shut up and start moving, or something's going to happen. And then it got to where it narrowed down and you had to climb through this crevice and then climb up and go through. Never mind the bats. Bats didn't bother me. I just, claustrophobia was killing me. I've been in a cave. You know what a cave is? It's a horizontal hole in the ground. That's what it is. It's not a vertical. It's a horizontal hole. You go in a cave, you're in a hole in the ground. And that's exactly where Elijah found himself. There's an old saying that says, I've dug myself into a hole, which means I made some really bad decisions and I've got myself over my head. But what if somebody throws you in the hole? What if something puts you into the hole? Joseph experienced that. His 11 jealous, well, 10 jealous brothers threw him in a pit. Joseph found himself in a hole in the ground, and he didn't do it. Sometimes things in life, people say or do things that knock the wind out of you, and your reaction puts you in a hole. Are y'all with me? And you can get into a hole emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and then feel like you can't get out. Imagine Elijah in the cave. Do you see that old bald-headed man in the cave? Do you see him? He's sitting in that cave when suddenly God speaks. And God says, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? Now, let's talk about what he didn't ask him. He didn't say, why are you here? That's not what he asked He said, what are you doing here? God knew why he was there. And and Elijah took the moment to give him all the reasons why he was there. Woe is me story. Give it to God. He can take it. But when he got through, God said, that's not what I asked you. Not why are you here. What are you doing here? You know what the answer is? Nothing. Nothing. He was doing something for God, and now he's doing, say it, 
Nothing. And that's the problem. When you get in a hole and you've been busy for God and serving God and, and, and active for the Lord and then you get in a hole, now you're doing nothing. And if you stand there long enough, you'll get used to doing nothing. And after a while, doing nothing will become the norm. Except it's dysfunction. You're not functioning anymore. You're doing nothing. You quit. You stopped. Nothing. The other thing that he was doing was bearing, nursing a victim mentality. Maybe one day I'll get a sermon on this, but I have, I have been keenly aware as I, as I live in America, as I read the news, as I interact with people, I am keenly aware that of the many things that are plaguing our society, there are two that are killing us. It's entitlement and a victim mentality. That's two things that's killing us in America. And old Elijah had a victim mentality. I alone am left. Y'all watch the commercial about the phone where they get dramatic. The phone is no longer working. You know, wife says, you're being a little dramatic there, honey. Oh, you can hear, you can hear Elijah. I alone am left. Oh, Lord. Being dramatic. The victim mentality. He lost touch with reality. He lost proper perspective. He had served God. He had been attacked for doing the work of God, and he talked like somebody with a victim mentality. Everybody else is wrong. I'm the only one that's right. Everybody's out to get me. I'll never operate as a prophet again. I'm through. You couldn't pay me enough money to go back. I won't risk being threatened or hurt again. You hear me? That's victim talk. And God listened to the prophet, realized that this is just where the devil wanted Elijah. And by the way, that's right where the devil wants you. And the Lord said, okay, you're in here, but I want you to go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. Get out of this cave. I want to make a statement today, and I hope it resonates with you. If you can get a picture in your mind. Brothers and sisters, you weren't made to live in a cave. You were made to stand on the mountain. You were made to climb mountains, scale mountains. You're a mountain climber. You're a conqueror. God put it in your heart and as a child of God to scale the heights and overcome obstacles and defeat the enemy and live in victory. He said, Elijah, get out of that hole in the ground. And listen to me, I preach tenderly today. There are some of you that this is the word of the Lord for you today. And if there's a word that I came here with, you may take all of this preaching, teaching I'm doing and just boil it down into what has driven me to stand on this platform, even with this head cold that I have that's knocked me for two days. I'll tell you what it is. God said, you go to church and you tell your people. There are certain ones that need to hear this. I'm telling them on Sunday, what's today? The 20, whatever today is, 20 whatever. First, get out of that hole. You've been there long enough. Get out of the hole, God said. You've been there long enough. It's time to recover what's lost. The text bears out what I'm about to preach. 
God caused then a strong wind to blow, an earthquake to shake, and a fire to burn on the mountain. They were loud events. They were sensational events. They were caused by God, but the Bible points out that God was not in them. Another way to say it is that Elijah experienced a divine move of God but was unaffected in a divine way. Because God wasn't in the wind, wasn't in the earthquake, wasn't in the fire, Elijah did not have a divine encounter through them. The same God that prayed down fire from heaven and Israel had an encounter with God as having fire of God burning and it's not affecting him at all. Are you seeing this? As a matter of fact, read the text. There's some things you miss if you, unless you just really study it. Elijah went out and stood on the mountain. Wind, earthquake, fire. Elijah went back in the cave. I think I would too. He ran back into the cave. And here's the lesson. I've learned this. When I was younger, I don't know that I would have known this as well. I don't know that I would have been as sensitive when I was a young preacher to this. I don't know that I would have understood it, but I do now. When you are in a hole, when the wind has been knocked out of you, spiritual moments like we have here at High Praises that are impacting others may have absolutely no impact on you at all. God's in the moment for everybody else, but you don't feel God like they do, and it's because of where you are. Does it make you less? Does it make you inferior? It just means you're going through something, and you're in a hole in the ground, and God knows it. Let me just say to the rest of the church, don't judge someone who's in the cave Don't judge someone who's in, I'm tough. I'm tough too. You think you're tough. Let one cancer cell get in your body and let's see how tough you are. Everybody has a breaking point. I'm tough. Just get over it. Everybody, just get over it. I don't understand what's wrong. Just get over it. There's some things you don't just get over. You need God to touch you. You don't get over it. You got to get out of it. I'm teaching you. You getting it? You don't get over it. Some things you just have to come out of it. So don't judge. You don't understand what they're going through if you've never been in the cave. I want the musicians to come. And then Elijah heard a still, small voice. He had spoken to him already and said, go stand on the mountain. And Elijah ran back in the cave. So this time God spoke in a still, small voice. And, and I studied that in the Hebrew. He heard God speaking quietly, calmly, almost in a whisper. That's how God spoke to him. He didn't need God shouting at him. Right here, and you're going to come out of this cave. 
because I'm going to bring you out and I'm going to go with you. The still, small voice of God. Do you know you can still hear that today? I think God sometimes speaks through people. Sometimes he speaks through circumstances. And all those folks, super-duper spiritual theological people out there that love to judge us Pentecostals because we still believe you can hear from God and they, they give us a hard time. I feel sorry for them because the Bible says, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. What you going to do with that verse? And I have heard, maybe, maybe a lot of you have too, I've heard the still small voice. It'll, it may be quiet in a whisper. It'll freeze you solid. Who's ever heard him? You ever heard of him? You do this, don't you? You ever hear him speak to you, boy, you'll straighten up real quick. We don't know exactly what God said to Elijah, but they must have been soft, tender words of encouragement. Soft and tender enough and encouraging enough that it brought Elijah out of the cave. I have this in my notes, and I'm going to say this today as I preach to you. You have permission to drown out the noise around you, even if it's church noise. You have permission. Listen for the still, small voice of God. I know I'm using my imagination here, but I think you'll hear him say, I know how you feel. I know your fear. I know your pain. I know your disappointment. I know your distrust. And I forgive you for your doubt. And I forgive you for your unforgiveness. And I forgive you for your bitterness. Come out of where you are. This is not what I created you for. I'm right here. Let's get out of this hole. Elijah made a decision. He could have bucked God, but he didn't. He was back in that cave, Brian. And there was the light. And he walked towards it. And he stood again on the mountain. And God said, let's go. And when he heard the still, small voice, something changed inside of him. I'm going to tell you, God can change you. I don't care how hurt you are. I don't care how down you are, how depressed you are, how stubborn you are. God can restore you because that's the theme of 2024 is God's going to give you a breakthrough and God's going to restore. I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost right now on me. I speak it. He came out of that cape. Jezebel was still in Jezreel. The death threat was still on. His life was in danger. The people that put him there hadn't changed. And guess what? The people that put you in a cave, maybe they haven't changed either. But stop worrying about them. Put them in the past. Put them behind you. Stop worrying about them. you got a life to live for God. Stop letting those people dictate you living your life in a hole. They did enough damage, and now they put you in a hole. Come out of the hole. That's the way you get back at them. 
Did you just say get back at him? Yeah, but I think that's righteous. Now don't do anything else. Don't go, don't go puncture their tires or key their car. All right, don't do that. But that's how you get back. Come out of the cave. Come out of it. Say, you're not going to dictate how I live my life. He came out of that cave. He went back to Israel, back to Jezreel. And God said, come on. And I'm going to do something for you. You thought you lost the anointing, but I'm going to give it back. I want you to go do some anointing. Now, he told him to go anoint people for leadership, but that's operating in the anointing. Yeah, that's a play on words, but I like it and it works. He operated in the anointing. Now get this. Why do I have to come out, Pastor? Why do I have to recover? Why is God pressing you? When are you going to preach on something else? I don't know. Maybe when you come out of the hole, I can move on. It's your fault. The last thing I'm going to preach, and then they're going to sing, and we're going to get in these altars. My God, I feel the Holy God. Y'all better get ready. Something's about to happen in this house. Y'all feel what I feel? You all better get ready. He said, I want you to go back and anoint a young man named Elisha to be your successor. While you're sitting in a hole, the next generation is passing by. If you don't get out of that hole and operate in the power of God, the next generation is going to miss. Y'all getting this, aren't you? What it means, you got to get out for the sake of your husband, your wife. You got to get out for the sake of your kids. You got to get out for the sake of your grandchildren. Get out of that hole. They need to see an anointed mama, an anointed papa, an anointed daddy, an anointed mama, an anointed uncle and aunt. Operating in the power of the Holy Ghost. Every day you let go by is a a day of missed opportunity to anoint the next generation. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. For more information or to watch our services online, please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.